How's it going, Sean? It's going pretty good. Before we get started, I want to say that I am a little bit sick and am uh, have been recovering. Um, I don't know if it's probably COVID, but I haven't gotten tested yet. I'm getting tested tomorrow. But I came into the office today with the sole intention of doing this podcast with you. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. I want to point out <laughs> when Sean says he came into the office, he means his private office. <laughs> um, so he's not getting anybody sick, right? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm the only one here. I'm only messing. That's with a good you. point. That's a good point. Um, and it's, it's 6 PM. Everybody's gone. So yeah. that's a good, uh, <laughs> good thing to bring up. <laughs> well, I gave hope everybody you... a high five on my way in here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shake a lot of hands on the way in. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So today I know, um, I don't want to keep you on too long. Um, and give you your time to rest and recover and all that and get well. Um, but yeah, we didn't want to miss a week. So yeah, we really want to keep it rolling. I know I've heard a lot of podcasts that begin and then promises are made and episodes stop rolling out on time. And then it's really awkward when the host of a podcast comes on and has to apologize and say, Oh, we'll get mm-hmm. back on track. That's not what we're doing here. It, this is a, uh, this is a professional undertaking. Um, in a <laughs> also, I do want to point out that yeah. the podcast that we are, we're, we're going to be releasing them every Thursday. So bang from now until an undisclosed period of time, every Thursday, um, no specific time. I don't think I want to do that, but okay. by the end of the day and on Thursday, then we'll have them up. Sweet. So, so it's Wednesday, but we'll, yeah. we'll pretend it's... <laughs> It's Thursday if it comes up. (laughs) So today what we're going to talk about, our theme of the week, is finding uh, work abroad. Or I suppose the process of getting abroad. We don't have a title for this yet, but it's last weekend, last week we talked about studying abroad and sort of our inspiration for doing it and what you can kind of expect out of it. But this week we wanted to get a little bit more in depth about the ways to go abroad because... You've heard studying abroad, everybody talks about it, but there's a lot of other ways that people go out there. There's, I mean, millions of people that immigrate and and become expats and do all of these things and ways to go overseas for longer periods of time than traveling or studying. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So my thought was, if you have plans or, or dreams to go abroad, your dream country has a lot to offer you, more than likely. So this episode is sort of about figuring out what you have to offer to your country. I think that if you go abroad and you aren't bringing anything, you're just visiting, right? Then that's that's tourism, and that's great. And I think um, vacation is awesome. I just got back from a little ski trip to Colorado, um, but I didn't really bring any industry or like a skill set um with me whereas if you want to really do it you want to go abroad and um and immerse yourself in your target country then this is something to think about what do you bring to the table um and so number one I wanted to talk about finding work abroad and this is so broad and so general 
but I do think that there are a couple things you can do to start off. Number one, I just a tip here would be to look at the work needed in your target country. Is there, for example, a graying population or is there um, an IT boom, an IT revolution? Um, is there a lot of construction? Is there new development happening where you could um, pick up a trade or something like that? So specific lines of work, I think trade work is a good place to start. Um, and I actually was just talking to my friend in Colorado who began woodworking um, the past couple years and he's gotten really cool. Uh, he's gotten really good at it and made some really cool stuff all around his apartment. Uh, he had wooden f like furniture and <laughs> like this really cool sliding door made of all these pieces of, of wood and he, he hand built it all himself. And that's, it's just so interesting to me to talk to um, folks who, are, who get into trades where they're working with their hands. Um, and he had brought up that a friend of his found a program. It was, I believe, in Finland. Um, and I can look for it here. I probably should have pulled that up beforehand. But anyways, his friend found a program in Finland, which was an apprenticeship for woodworking. So he signed up, applied, ended up getting accepted and took the opportunity, went to Finland and began this apprenticeship which was part-time schooling and part-time working combined. Um, but I think maybe something like a <coughs> month into the program, he ended up dropping it because he just got a straight job offer uh, from his workplace, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and that's, that's another thing I, I wanted to touch on before we got a little bit more in depth about mm -hmm. the different ways that people go into it. I think something really important to add is that the way that these countries think about um, bringing people in and having people come in, it's always a give and take every time. The, the way that they, the way that the only reason that any of these countries are allowing people to come into their borders is because they think they're going to get something out of it. So, mm -hmm. for example, a lot of these European countries, they get a huge portion of their GDP from tourism. I mean, you think, you think I'm touring the country and, and I'm not giving anything back. I'm just like taking and taking, taking. Well, technically, you're taking money from your country and you're giving it to that country and you're propping them up in that way. And it's, it's kind of this fight. There's, there's, I think this global fight for not only taking all of the wealth, but if you're not bringing any kind of wealth to the country, then you have to convince them. You have to you have to kind of like bring to the table. If your if your intention is to go to that country, let's say it's a it's a country like Switzerland that has enough people in it, mm -hmm. and they you know I know that a lot of the people in that country don't want any more people to coming because it's just such a small country. It's super wealthy and and you know they're worried about you know whatever reason. But if you want to go to a place like that, you have to basically to get a visa, you have to convince them why they should be letting you go there. Right. A lot of times <clears throat> when you want to study abroad, even if you want to go to a foreign country, you have to kind of declare what you want. Like you have to kind of talk about you got to convince them that. I, don't, I wouldn't say you necessarily need to convince them that you want to live there, but. 
they're definitely worried about, you know, people going there and then leaving. For example, I know that tuition is not nearly as expensive in Europe. If you go and study at a, at a foreign, um, you know, in just any kind of foreign country in, in Europe, for example. Yeah. Um, Norway used to be all of their public schooling was free. It's got some of the best education that you can get, you know, higher education that you can get. Master's programs, um, bachelor's programs, all of them were tuition free. <clears throat> and even for uh, for residents and for even foreigners to come over to Norway. But what was happening was because it was more affordable and they have such high quality education and it's mostly paid by the taxpayer, or it was all paid by the taxpayer, they they just passed legislation in December and I think 2023 is the first year and they were I think the last country in I don't know I mean don't hold me on this they might they might not be but from my from what I think I read I think I remember reading that they were the last country in Europe that was offering free higher education free you know free schooling free college for foreigners um <clears throat> and that's ended. So it's not super expensive. I know that even in even some of the more expensive countries like Switzerland, I just give that example because it's it truly is the most expensive place you can live in in Europe. They offer some degrees, some bachelor's degrees and even some master's degrees that I was looking at today actually that are, you know, 1500 a year. To go, but then yeah. other ones they'll be somewhere around twenty thousand, thirty thousand a year. It just depends on what school you go to. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out that it it really is. You have to think about it. If your goal is to live there permanently, you have to think my door to get into that country is how can I provide something for that country? Am I going to learn a trade? And am I going to provide labor that maybe other people maybe is like it's lacking, like Logan was saying earlier, mm -hmm. some labor jobs might be a little bit easier to get into um, some fields of study. If you are if you graduated from a really good school in the United States and you want to move to a different country and you want to take that sort of education with you, that's something that you can, you know, bring and probably um used to leverage your way to get in but yeah yeah and i think um you know there's we touched on a couple things here so trade work finding um maybe critical sectors or even whole countries that need workers right like growing populations and um things like school even if it's not free there are a lot of countries uh with options for nearly free college um and we can get into that and and those would be a couple of your options um right off the bat so i know <clears throat> let me see so i was looking at going to germany um for a master's program and so i looked at at um well i can just pull it up now i just googled essentially um <clears throat> uh I or, uh, <laughs> gotta remember how I searched it here. Jobs in demand, 
in Germany. Uh, let's find it here. Yes, it's on... I don't think this is an official site. But essentially, here's the list. So if I, if I just search that, and you can do this for your target country. Um, or even, you know, if, if your target country is America, you could be looking at America and say, okay, what, um, what's paying and who's needed? I know, like, as, as Americans, we might be able to say, I think, like, the trades <laughs> are, like, a lot of trades. I know carpentry is needed. Um, like, we don't Definitely. have very many people going into that. So, just for example, in Germany, again, um, software developers electronics engineers <laughs> I'm a bit distracted my cat's up on the desk there you go <laughs> um, electricians electrical fitters uh, nurses IT consultants and analysts economists bi uh, business management experts customer advisors account managers production assistants sales reps managers architects you and know, civil engineers one thing I will say though <clears throat> something that I'll say about getting a job in a foreign country is you it, it's I'm not saying I think it's really important to say if you are living somewhere and you say I want to get a job over there mm -hmm. I don't you're not going to school I think I think maybe probably the easiest way to go overseas and live for an extended period of time and probably start a career is I mean that guy probably that guy found a really good program with carpentry, right? And then he mm -hmm. got a job through it because they they probably needed that, and it was probably through a country that was looking for employees, anyways. Yeah. Um. However, I don't think it's I don't necessarily think it's realistic to expect that you're gonna find something like that as easily, especially like a, a in a job. place that you're looking. Yeah, a job that's I, um, willing to sponsor I, you, for example. Exactly, yeah. especially if you don't live there. I think that, you know, it's even if you are moving states in the United States, think about it this way: even if you're moving states, you you're moving from Ohio, where we are, and you want to move in, you want to move to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and you're filling out applications all day, day and night, filling out applications. I'm not even putting my address on it. I mean, just not being there, not having an ad, not even not even having a, like your address listed, not saying that you're not there. Um, your likelihood of getting any sort of attention for something that's not through connections or you're in some specialized field, yeah, are very 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 slim. It's true. Uh, I think that you know going to school is realistic i mean fill out applications for school all day it's it's completely different when you're talking about studying abroad but when i mean there's a million people out there probably millions of people out there looking for jobs in your target country that already live there and they're they're never going to take you over those people so i think be there first do whatever it takes to get there first and then go that route so let's say even if you wanted to go into a trade you want to go into carpentry right look for the easiest program that gets you anywhere near that field yeah and and be there or i mean i think it, it would honestly be realistic to just go there 
live on a travel visa, or I know in Germany specifically, they have a searching for work visa that yeah, extends seeker. up to six months. Yep. Job seeking visa, yeah. And just live there. Get an Airbnb. You can you can actually I've known people that have gone to Airbnbs for long periods of times or, or hotels for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And they will look for a job while they're there and to find a for some of the jobs for the job they needed they needed a bank account i think it was to get the visa or something like that they needed a bank account or they needed insurance and to get the insurance they needed whatever so they registered their permanent address as this hotel through all of the documentation that they needed or the airbnb or whatever and then once they got the job offer then they found a permanent housing because the permanent housing requires them to have et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and so they used all of that and then they just transferred their address from this hotel that they were staying in to there. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of really cool, like different little ways to go about doing that. Yeah. It's work. I mean, you, you have to, (laughs) as you say, it's really, yeah, there's a lot of people who live there who are native to your target country already looking for a job maybe in the field you're looking at um i know like in 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 my case i'm doing tech as a lot of people are these days and so there are opportunities there but even so even in tech which is generally high demand in wealthier countries i mean Mm -hmm. it's there's so much competition because people everyone knows that people are looking for tech workers (laughs) so it's like a self-defeating um, you know, or, or uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe that's not the right <laughs> way to describe it. But yeah. There's also, sorry. No, go ahead. No, there's also being a, an expat. That's another, that's another thing that people do. The only thing is, is that with being an expat, I think that's great. I think if you work, if you already work for a multinational country and you want to, you want to move there, I don't think it's unrealistic to, maybe ask to transfer to an office over there. I'm not really 100% sure how you would do that. I'm sure it's different from company to company. I remember I worked for Morgan Stanley very briefly in finance. And one of the main reasons why I worked for them was because I knew that they had offices all over the world. And it was kind of my long con to transferring to their office in, I think, Frankfurt is where they have it. Sounds right, yeah. But, you know, the career, it wasn't for me. And and also, I didn't want to bank on that, you know. I, I felt like doing it that way, if you go the expat way, if you already think that you might have an in, that might be a little bit better. But if you say, my number one goal is to move to wherever, Germany, France, Austria, Switzerland, Italy, wherever. If that's your number one goal... And then to reach that goal, you decide I am going to work for a company in the United States or your my whatever country that I'm living in in hopes that I'm going to transfer to that office. I think that's not, that's, I wouldn't say that's unrealistic, but I think it would probably be smarter. I mean, you could probably yeah. agree that it'd be smarter to, Let, yeah. to, to, you're kind of not putting it on the forefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I, I'll put it this way. I know, um, again, speaking specifically from tech, but this is true in a lot of industries. 
if you're looking for <laughs> if you're looking for a, a, an increase in pay, then generally you don't stick around, you job hop, and that pays off better than sticking around. So essentially right. you leverage your position for a higher paid position at a different company um, when you feel that you've stagnated, right? Mm-hmm. That is going to pay a lot better than waiting potentially five, ten years for a big pay bump at, at your uh, current company. Right. I think that can sort of be <laughs> – you can see that as analogous to um, the transfer idea. Um, you You can, you know – even in the interview, you can say, oh, I'm looking to eventually be at Morgan Stanley in Frankfurt. And they might say, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know like uh, Jim Bob <laughs> like moved, <laughs> moved out to Frankfurt. He used to be on our team or whatever. Um, but there's no promise of it. And I know that's I'm repeating yeah. what you were saying. But I think, I think it is a similar thing where, um, f- for example, it might be a better idea to do what you're already doing in your field and then just apply Mm -hmm. wholesale to a job or um, look at, you know, another option if you're stagnating um, in a field like tech, for example, is to go back to school um, even like part-time to get an advanced degree, a master's degree. A lot Mm -hmm. of people go back for the MBA um, and maybe you do something like that in your target country. um, If that's, I think it's really interesting that some people, with this, the ex like the expatriate programs, like mm-hmm. the I'm not talking about moving abroad permanently. I'm talking about these like multi-year contracts that some people are on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of them aren't permanent. A lot of them are, you know, two to three years. And it's kind of funny how most of the time, I would say, I don't know if it's most of the time, but it's it seems like every time I hear of it. Mm-hmm. When I watch House Hunters International, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah, I work for this company and they asked me to go to France and I was like I don't know, but then I took it because it, the pay was a little bit better and I'm just really skeptical. It's like the thing. It's kind of funny that the way that we're talking about it, about moving countries is that you have to be so specific about it. You have to put it at the forefront of your priority because especially when you come from a place in the US and let's say you're doing software development like you, Logan, you you have this career that, that can potentially make you a lot of money and a very comfortable living in the United States. You have to kind of justify to yourself why you wanna do it, why you wanna go anywhere else. And you might be taking a pay cut. You might be sacrificing convenience, moving away from everybody. But then, and but even still, you're putting moving and, and going and having this experience and, and moving away at the forefront of your priorities and sacrificing a lot of other things to do it. Meanwhile, a lot of times what ends up happening, and I think I, I would honestly say most of the time what ends up happening, especially when people go from the United States to Europe, is they just kind of get the job. It just kind of it kind of falls not falls into their lap, but mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just kind of funny to me how there's <laughs> you have you and me we're we're calcu- very calculating with mm. 
how yeah. how we're going about it. <laughs> and then meanwhile, meanwhile, you and I have been abroad, and we've met we've met people that are saying, "Yeah, I took the job because you yeah. know whatever." I and thought it turns I thought, out why to, not? you know this is actually really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, why not? You know, you only live once, and we're like, yeah. "You bastard." <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, like uh, premeditated on our end. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and you kind of have to be though. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I know <laughs> friend of the show <laughs> Ben Bryan. Um, no, <laughs> I don't even know if he knows about the show yet. But um, we've we've <laughs> mentioned him before. It's definitely not. He, he's this character. He's the one on the research vessel now. Um, who also who went back and worked in Germany for a year. Um, he's he's like so tenacious about it. Like he, you know. He decides early on, I'm going to apply to this program. And then he does it and he follows through. And it's like, I think, I think we are being calculated about it, but we haven't, I mean, it hasn't been that long um, since right before, where before we were, you know, sort of on the fence. Uh, yeah. Or, or it was more like a pipe dream. I know we love pipe dreams. <laughs> it did kind of, it, it did kind of feel like that yeah. for a bit. And now it's I like think, real, real solid plans. And as soon as we make it a real solid plan, it's, it becomes more realistic. I know, I know we're not there yet. Um, we're not right at where we want to be exactly geographically, but as soon as we committed, I mean, all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, we're doing a podcast, um, <laughs> and we're, you know, looking at places like, um, I'm even, uh, like looking at universities, um, I I think it's really interesting how us in our late twenties, the stage, the stage of life of being where we are in our late twenties. So Mm. when you're in college, it makes sense to study abroad because it's what people do. Yeah. And this is kind of going a little bit off track of what our topic of the, of the week was supposed to be a little bit. Yeah. But that's okay. I think it's, it's really interesting being a young adult who wants to do what we're doing. And I think that that it kind of coincides with what I see a lot nowadays with just people in general who are kind of trying to go against the grain a little bit mm-hmm. and do the unconventional life in a way and do things a little differently. Go go even going on vacation to places that that people don't typically go. Um and uh for us, and I would say probably for anybody who is in their their late 20s, early 30s, who is thinking about making some huge life change, it's kind of bizarre how much resistance you get internally in making the decision to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Like... And I think that that's kind of why so many people don't do it and why when you see people who who work abroad and live abroad, it's because they kind of fell into the position or they had a connection or the opportunity popped up and they were opportunistic about it. You know, I think there's a difference between being opportunistic and kind of like creating your own path. It wasn't, you know, most of the most of the time when when you meet people, it's people who an opportunity popped up in front of them. And they thought, and they they grabbed it, which is great. But for people like us who, and potentially anybody else who's listening, who 
might be in the same place of I have a job, mm-hmm. I have a career, yep. I make enough money, I don't need to do it. In fact, I don't need it's to an go upheaval. there. It's like it's disruptive <laughs> to your It's own. very disruptive. Yeah. My quality of life is going to go down. I'm going to be farther away from people that I know. Mm-hmm. And in some it's ways, kind of yeah. hard to justify. Yeah, yeah, in some ways, in some ways not. So there's a lot of reasons to go if you're not in the position that we are. Let's say if you haven't already started your career, if you haven't already finished your degree, if your degree has something to do with living abroad. Um, I mean, I know even my degree, I, I got two degrees, one in German and one in international business. And I thought that that was going to kind of give me the door into a kind of life like that. But I kind of had a rude awakening that you really do kind of have to make your own path. If it doesn't fall in front of you and it, <laughs> if it doesn't kind of pop up, you have to, you have to really um, compromise uh, your own happiness in a way. I wouldn't, well, I don't know if I would say your own happiness, but comfort um you yeah you yeah it's it's really easy to kind of fall in the trap of well i don't know if i would say trap but into the mindset of uh, you know what's the point i'm just creating a problem i'm creating stress and then you might gaslight yourself into thinking i'm being avoidant i'm you know i like wait, I guess you know yeah. Like what's the point? Yeah. But then, yeah. What's no, the point in anything? Honestly? Absolutely. It, yeah, and it's like because at, at that rate, um, and I agree. We have we've strayed a bit from from the topic, but maybe this is our surprise topic: is um, resistance and um, and the fact that this isn't the path of least resistance. Um, for me, I know I, like things could be really comfortable, but like <laughs> I want to wake up and see the Alps outside of my window, uh, potentially, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's not an easy thing to do. <clears throat> and I, I think that is maybe our surprise topic, our surprise theme, right? What do you bring to the What's, table uh, was the original yeah. idea, but it's more like, um, what do you like? What are you willing to do? You really want it? What are you willing to do? Um, are you willing to go back to school um, in a new place? Maybe sell some of your junk that's weighing you down, like, but that you like. Um, uh, are Are you willing? I, th- I to- think the good way, the good reason why maybe it's about um, talking about what do you bring to the table it, mm-hmm. is it's it's like maybe you're so far in your career and you think you have something to offer you've done so much you've proven yourself here in your career mm-hmm. but if you think i've done so much i have such a good resume people are going to want me you got to really ask yourself like do you actually bring something to the table that potentially someone else doesn't can't bring to the table yeah like what are you going to add to the country it it has to be a net gain for the country that you're going to and to do that i think sometimes you have to humble yourself a little bit i mean you and i we're gonna have to go back to school i don't want to go back to school mm-hmm. but 
You know, I might have to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I agree, man. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, now, although the, the opposite, you can. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go sorry. Ahead. I was gonna say, although if if you. Uh, there are some people, I, guess, I suppose, that um, it it can come easy at a certain point in your life. I mean, sure. There's there's always the there's always the become successful and then buy my way in. And there is there actually is a way to do that. And I know that that's the way a lot of people do it. When you hear about people who retire abroad, that's a whole different topic. But mm-hmm. they do have things like golden visas. I don't know if. You've ever heard of those, but I've heard the term. It's yeah, it's basically you buy your way into the visa. So you have to <laughs> literally invest your money into the country oh. somehow. And they give you a permanent residence visa based on that. Because the, you know, that's the whole idea is it's it's growing the wealth of the country. It's taking things away from the other countries and then giving it to that one. Um and that's sort of the way the reason is to why they do it so yeah i know in some countries it's less i know in like portugal and and um oh man i don't i don't know what countries it's less in but i know that in like germany it's like eight hundred thousand dollars or something Jeez. like that and in, yeah. in, in switzerland it's like 1.2 million dollars it's ridiculous and <laughs> well i think know, that's maybe uh, the least viable depending <laughs> yeah they know you're gonna be um if you're investing that much you're also gonna be taxed on every uh glass of wine (laughs) right five-star restaurant or whatever you know (laughs) that's yeah i that's i think that there's other ways too that are not as that there's not they're not quite as uh unobtainable um and Mm -hmm. are very direct you know i think the most important thing what i'm looking at is direct ways in I, i mean i beat around the bush for the past few years but I, you know, the options I'm looking at are more direct. And um, some of them are, uh, like one of them is partnering up with a foreign business person. If you, let's say you get your MBA abroad mm-hmm. and you meet a business person, you make a connection or you, whatever, uh, you can get a permanent residence visa by starting a business and partnering it up with a business person, depending on the country. Yeah, what, they have different laws about them. In? Um, this is, oh man, this is, I would, I'd be assuming it's, it's just about every European country. This is specifically, specifically, I knew that this was a thing in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. Mm. Um, but they have different laws about what pertains. You have to kind of, whether, whether or not it's a, you have, might have to have the, a type of corporation or a mm, right. type of there has to be so much investment it has to be something i don't know they they have different classifications for them but um but if you tick the all the boxes you're in yeah 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 and and that's one of the ways in there's a lot of really weird ways the netherlands <laughs> for example yeah. they have there's a thing called the netherlands to america friendship treaty where if you invest i don't remember how much it is it's like four thousand or five thousand euros if you invest that much money into your business and you're an american citizen they'll give you a residence visa oh wow in the netherlands 
And I think I would say that the Netherlands is probably the easiest place to get in if you're saying I want to go to Europe. Um, that's one thing. But uh, or if your country has you know visa options for entrepreneurs in general, uh, some some countries will let you go if you just start a business and you don't have any. I believe that Norway does that. If you go to Norway and you start a business in Norway and you become a resident and you can't be a student at the same time, I don't think. But if you run a business full-time in Norway, I believe you will um, be able to have a permanent residence visa. Hmm. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but I, <won't. laughs> I looked into it a while ago and yeah. I remember that's that being what it is. I'm not reading this from anywhere. This is just off, off the top the of dome. my head. Yeah. But, I do know um uh kind of I guess this this could be included in sort of the the entrepreneurial business person route um is the digital nomad route. So, um certain countries in Europe offer digital nomad visas. So if you have a job that allows you to work abroad, um, you can, you know, you can do that. Um, so you can live in, in somewhere like Germany, for example, um, while working for a firm remotely on your laptop. Um, and uh, I mean, this would also apply to like, say freelancers. Um, if you do like, uh, I don't know, like, like graphic design on Fiverr or something. I mean, but, but obviously you have to show your money. Um, so, uh, part, part of what we discussed earlier, or I think Sean, you brought it up. Like you have to, um, you have to give your intent and your, um, like, like when you're applying for a visa, you have to give an idea of, of why and what exactly you're looking to get out of your, um, your visa. And part of that is actually demonstrating um, f like financial independence or f financial readiness, right. security, mm -hmm. I guess would be the word. You have to, you have, to have enough uh, like money in the bank. Yeah. So um, if, if you're going as a digital nomad, I'm sure that it's no different there or it's similar. Um, yeah. So you might have to show a certain, like a pay stub or something, or, or a, there's a bank statement. Um, it's the same with college too. There's passive income visas as well. Okay. If you earn a passive income on, let's say you are a landlord or something, and mm -hmm. you earn something, you earn a certain amount of money from your rent, or you own. You know, you earn dividends or something. Mm -hmm. There's a certain number of passive income to where you can live. And I know that. <clears throat> so the investment visa, the golden visa, you can get. And you have to do a lump sum investment. And I know that the passive income visa is significantly, I believe it's significantly less. So... In, in terms of like you know, value of money and, and like return on investment, if you were to take $800,000, for example, <clears throat> put it in an S&P 500 and how much money you get out of it, I'm pretty sure it would be in terms of like that, like value of money, um, 
a lot easier. Well, I wouldn't say easier. It's definitely still a lot of money. I mean, making passive income is very hard. Yeah. But <laughs> but it's it's somewhere around the lines of. <clears throat> I mean, I I remember some of some European countries I was looking at like twenty thousand something a year. Um, and some of them are like thirty, forty thousand a year. If you're making that much on a passive income, I think if you're retired and you're you're making draws or something like that, um, that's that's definitely like a very viable way to do it. I'm not sure where you would go to find. I don't know what websites you would even go to. I think every country is different. <laughs> that's I mean, the hard part of this episode. Yeah, um, there's 190 something countries in the world. I mean, they're all different. There's probably some countries out there that'll pay you to come, that's crazy. depending on where you're from. But, oh yeah, I was gonna say um, that's one we didn't really touch on is the language teaching. I know I have a uh, right a future right. guest in mind, um, and he did some teaching. Actually, I know a few people have done this. I know you do as well. Um, know some. You've people. done some teaching. Yeah, um, I taught I taught English as a foreign language, but I taught here. Um, in the States, but obviously I taught to people from around the world, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a great experience. Um, and I know I, I've also did some stuff online. I taught online as well. Um, if you count that and places, as far as I know, this is especially the case in, um, Asia, like Korea, China, Japan, um, they will pay sometimes even room and board for westerners westerners to come over and teach language courses um a lot of times at companies like to employees of companies who need to know english or to students school students um Mm -hmm. and i was looking into that for a while i know you were as well um yeah i know some people that have done that yeah and they had a great experience with it but a lot of times it's it's contractual based it's not Mm -hmm. most of the time it's not full-time i know that one of the people that i know that did a program like that in asia or in korea they were there for oh man a really long time yeah a long enough time to establish yourself but once the contract was over there was you know it was it was back you know back to the states but i think I think if your long-term goal deep down is to stay, I think if you're proactive about it while you're there, then you can always find a way. Like I know that you and me are talking about going back to school and it's fully my intention. If I do go back to school, it is fully my intention to get a job, make connections while I'm in school, get a job. I mean, I've, I've been through school. I, it took me six years (laughs) to get through school and I understand the hiring process and the networking process a little bit better than I did back then. Mm-hmm. And I think just getting out there and getting a getting an address and being in front of people, especially if I get my MBA, it'll be um, it won't be nearly as difficult. I mean. Man, the last time I tried to get a job overseas was, uh, I graduated in 2020. So you can imagine how fast it took me, it, it, how fast I gave up on that. <laughs> oh, the, the COVID graduation, the pandemic graduation. Yeah. 
That was rough. Um, it was very rough. And, and yeah, times are better. I think um, a lo- in a lot of ways things are on the up. Um, but I guess so- sort of going back over what we've discussed, we've shot, we've shot around quite a bit. But the idea is mm-hmm. generally um, <laughs> there's no real blanket statements to be made. Um, every country is different. <clears throat> and depending on your field, maybe if you're already in a field or, or you're committed to getting in your, your foot in the door in a certain field, it's going to be different. There's going to be different regulations, um, you know, different programs. I know there are European countries where um, you might be able to teach and do university at the same time, or um, you could be like an au pair um, in certain countries um, I don't, obviously that's not going to apply if you're American and you want to go to the UK. <laughs> I don't think they're going to need <laughs> Yeah. Um, to ruin their English, <laughs> but, um, you know, apprenticeships, different things, but there's not going to be a woodworking apprenticeship in country A, whereas there will be in country B. You have to, this is part of it. It's not the path of least resistance. You have to find out <laughs> you, you got to pick where you want to go and then and then uh, draw out your your uh, roadmap from there. I think I think it's also really interesting. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Um, I think it's also really interesting that while some people, it, while in some areas it's really easy to get a job teaching English, and I think some people have the misconception that getting it because you can. There's so many hiring jobs, and you see so many people getting these TFL degrees and Mm -hmm. going to Asia that it's going to be the same going to Europe because it's a place that doesn't like speak English natively and it's not always the case no (laughs) it's definitely definitely changes case for case I I will say from what I understand you'll be working really hard if you do that that's something I did want to bring up um teaching is teaching is it takes a lot of energy I can say that for certain it does. Um, and a lot of the TEFL jobs are going to run you down. Like they're going <laughs> to, they're going to work you, um, you know, and I think in Europe you might work really hard. If you're lucky enough to get a position teaching English there, you're going to work really hard and be making maybe, uh, a similar wage to like a, a worker at a, a gas station or fast food or something right. like that. Um, I would which, also, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, sorry. Yeah, no. I, I was pretty much done with my thought. You're good, man. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> all of the interruptions. No, it's a, it's the dance. <laughs> it is the dance. It's a little bit harder on the phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brain is not working very well today, but I wanted to just touch on, um, going to school and uh, studying abroad, how when you do it, there's a difference in the way that you study abroad. There isn't just one way to do it there. If you, if your intention is to go temporarily and you want to just get like a taste, you want to go and you want to stay for like, you know, two weeks or more or two weeks to a few months. Mm -hmm. And you want to just like have the experience and then come back that's one thing and i think if you want to go and you want to live that's a completely different thing i think there's these if your intention is to spend a long time there 
there's a lot of programs, and I know because I used to sell them, <laughs> there's a lot of programs that will put you out there for a very short period of time with the intention of, I mean, it'll be a great experience, but with the intention of taking your money, chewing you up and, and like taking you back home and spitting you back out Mm. and going abroad for, let's say like even a semester, um, with your school is different than going and studying at that school. So like when you and I went and we studied abroad, we went for four months with four, four and a half or whatever, however many months. Yeah. And we were technically students at Ohio University studying at the facilities of University of Salzburg. And we were getting credits for our school from that school. They weren't things that needed transferred. After the school program, there was a thing that you could get called a Fulbright scholarship to go and study with a sister um, school called Leipzig or in Leipzig, Leipzig University, that one of our friends did, mm-hmm. Reese, And he had to register classes completely differently. He had to go through a completely different process. He had to get his own housing. It was very, very different. And it was for what? How long was he there? A year? A year. A year and a half? Yeah, a year. He was there for a year. And then he had to go through the school system at Ohio University and transfer the credits of his classes back to Ohio University credits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it it was a whole different process. And then like that is different from going directly to a school and trying to become a student as an American. And it's mm-hmm. so definitely different ways to think about it. And then also these like short term programs, these two week programs that you do, they might give you X amount of credits for your school in the US but don't expect that to translate into a life over there, you know, unless you, in that very short period of time you meet somebody who's like, like, yeah, when you're done with your degree, I'll give you a job or something, which, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say unless you meet somebody and get married. <laughs> That's another thing, you know, that's what I think. Like, I, I mean, like, it's man. completely realistic. I mean, oh, yeah. you talk about the cheapest and easiest way to do it. There you, there go. you go. That's all right. This is actually <laughs> where we yourself. were. <laughs> it's a perfect way to end the, <laughs> the show. I think um, we talked about finding work, starting a business, and going back to school. So number four <laughs> would be um, find a someone to marry. Get married. <laughs> Get hitched. <laughs> Vo- or volunteer. You could volunteer with oh, Peace yeah. Corps or something. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about well. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, getting married note, is easier. <laughs> yeah. On a serious note, I um, there is um, oh my gosh, the Peace Corps. That's what it is. <laughs> um, now with the Peace Corps, I don't think because I looked into it years ago. Um, let me see here. I don't think you get to be as selective with where you go, right. and don't expect to make a lot of money. Doing no, that. I oh, think that's no. the big You catch. will not you will not make you might not I mean, make any money. You'll make know, you'll but. it's livable, I think, kind of barely. Like it's it's you're living pretty light. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 
it looks great. It's a good doorway into other nonprofits as well, like the United Nations or any of their subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. And this isn't going to be, I mean, I don't think you're going to be going to Luxembourg. <laughs> um, no. You know, <laughs> it's, it's places that need volunteer work. Um, and oh, let me see. I'm just on their page here. I see stuff in Samoa, the Philippines, Kosovo, Peru. That's just right on the on the front page here of the Peace Corps website. Um, and you're, yeah, you're not going to be making a lot. You're going to be working. You're, it's it's going to have you working. And it, this really might be path of most resistance. But talk about an adventure. Talk about life experience. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not going to be at some corporation, you know, bumping numbers <laughs> or you know, doing, you're, you're going to be helping people in some, in some way. Um, And you know, you know, backpacking off of the volunteering. Yeah. I, I think it's a pretty good time. I think it's worth bringing up that there is a really well, it's, it's well known internationally, but not in the United States. In terms of volunteering, if you're a college student, there is a nonprofit student organization that they, you know, if you want, it's called Isaac, but it's not, it's not Isaac. Like it's A-I-E-S-E-C. It's this French acronym. And I was a part of it for years when I was in school. And I wouldn't see it necessarily translating as a long-term stay, but I think it's definitely worth bringing up as a way to kind of get out there. But it, I think it falls under more of the volunteer work. It uh, When I initially got into it, I thought it was my way into working in in Europe and where I you know, had studied and, and I thought I was going to live and move and everything. But I think it's it's definitely... If you want, if your goal is to get like more, get out there and, and be connected with people that um, have a lot of differences from you and, and see the reality of the world and and be connected with a bunch of you know like-minded young people, they are. This isn't me pitching it. Oh my god, I pitched it for years. I can't tell you how many seminars I sat there uh, talking in front of people about it, but. <laughs> I'm I'm tapping back into my core of doing my Isaac pitch. Yeah, but sell us. <laughs> it genuinely it, it genuinely is a good way to do it. I mean, I went to Indonesia, and I think, I mean, I would say in the summer that I was there, it was probably one of the richest experiences I ever had. Just being there and the amount of people it connected me with. Like the value in it was like getting there and connecting me with the people. The only thing is about Isaac is that when you do these student study abroad programs, a lot of times the credits will be for your for your major. It will like actually help you graduate sooner. You can take out student visas and you can put it towards it. That's the thing with these Isaac programs that you can't do. Sorry, I'm losing my voice completely. Um, I tell but you what, yeah, they, I, they, they, they cost some money and you do it, but they're pretty cheap. You're going to be thrown out there, mm. but 
you want to do one you want to do the cheapest kind of trip where you're gonna i mean really really have like that life experience that's what i would do and uh and it counted for me it counted for my internship because i did a, a business development uh experience that was my indonesia experience yeah but yeah i think yeah you made it work yeah well yeah. i'll tell you what we, man we i don't i don't want to keep you on here for too much longer um i'm gonna give you an opportunity to rest and everything um but i think i think we hit a lot of stuff here um as far as your options for going abroad and everything um, yeah working studying start a business spend a million dollars volunteer or um get married yeah fall in love you could do <laughs> maybe you could do all five you yeah. go <laughs> on an apprenticeship program <laughs> on a bingo card and so you're at school you get the job and then you get so good at like woodworking that you start a business um but in school you started dating s- uh, someone and <laughs> you now have a business and get married and then you invest a million dollars. There you go. <laughs> okay, Logan, what visa am I supposed to apply for then? <laughs> uh, the volunteer. Uh. <laughs> the volunteer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh. Um, again, last thing. Some countries have, uh, like, obviously you have to get the visa first. But they have naturalization, like, over time. I know Portugal, it's maybe like a few, like four years, five years. Um, so if you, if you get the visa, you can actually get oh, like citizenship yeah. um, in some countries. And that's something, again, France, you have to look up. It's, I think, uh, five years. Yeah. It, France, depending five. Depending on your country. Germany's eight. Oh, uh, Austria is 10. Switzerland is 10. Wow. I think England is 10. Um, everyone else, I don't know, just because... <clears throat> those are the places that I was I looked at specifically. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Sicko, I hope you uh, <laughs> I hope you get feeling better for real though. <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll get this guy edited together, send it up tomorrow, Thursdays every week. All right. See you later, Logan. See you then, man. Bye. <laughs>